0: Hi there. My name is Priscilla Almquist Olson. I'm a volunteer producer at Easton Community Access Television, and I'm so pleased today to welcome a, another Townie, Jim Wilkinson, who was raised in Easton, is a graduate of Oliver Ames High School, and is a very interesting uh, uh, Air Force captain who's going to tell us about growing up in Easton and about his career, why he uh, decided to serve his country, and uh, the impact that has had on his life and that of his family. So, uh, and to his left is the woman, who, uh, without whom Jim would not be, be here, his mother, who's a very good friend of mine. She is known to most of you in Easton as Mother Earth. For the past 30 years, she's had a gardening and landscaping company. And she also, uh, she and I also go to church together, so we got to know each other very well. And I got to know about Jim and his exploits. So we're gonna hear about some of that today. So sit back, relax, and welcome to uh, a very interesting program. Jim, welcome to Easton. Thanks Priscilla, it's good to be back. It sure is, isn't it? It is, What do you like most about it?
1: Uh, There's no other place like it, there's, you know, it, not only in Massachusetts, but in, in from what I've seen of the world. Uh, you got the history here. It's just a nice, quaint place um, in an otherwise busy state with lots of traffic. And, uh, you know, and I grew up here. So it's just, uh, it's always good to be back.
0: Okay. And so what year did you graduate all of I graduated in
1: 1996.
0: 1996. Oh, boy. You are... Um, I don't I don't know anybody that graduated in 1996 Uh, you know you don't you look so mature (laughs) (laughs) thank you (laughs) but that's because you've been around the world and experienced things tell us about uh, what you did after uh, what you did in high school did you play sports
1: I didn't play sports I played I was more into music Um, oh so I was in the concert band uh, at the junior high Mm -hmm. and then I just uh, with a couple of friends we started a rock band basically really went from the concert band into a four-piece punk rock band
0: and uh, what happened to that Uh,
1: you know just after high school everyone goes their own separate ways and that's kinda what happened
0: I see yeah and um, uh, mother Kim (laughs) Kim Zarella. sorry I didn't mention her name before Um, uh, Jim Wilkinson's mother um, what was that like having a son who was so musically talented? Uh, and um,
2: uh, it was amazing. Uh, jazz Band was, they were gold winners when we had Mr. Pitts running the jazz band in Easton. Right. And we competed with Fox Bar and Brockton, and they were really, you know, they were gold winners too. So it, it was amazing, and I used to cry when they played. And it, it really? Was, it was a good experience. Music was a good experience. Uh-huh. And, um, his dad was a musician, too, right. and uh, I bought him a piano for Christmas one, one year, an old, big old, lunky piano, and we still have that, and uh-huh. so music is, is good. It's, it's, it takes as, as much, if not more, discipline than sports.
0: Did um, so. Certainly, right, and it's a very um, solitary <coughs> discipline. So you're As by you know, yourself. Because you sing, and I know right. you're
2: into music too. So yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: And uh, would, did they ever come to your house and have rehearsals? And um, they, I think, Jimmy's friend
2: Steve had the um, studio at his mom's house. So she had the teenagers and the rock band, right? So and she and the teenage uh, uh-huh. stuff that went along with
0: that. But sure. so she has the hearing impairment. Lots of that, <laughs> probably, <laughs> <laughs> and the nerves. Yeah. Um, what yeah. is the thing you remember best about uh, growing up in Easton? What are some of the things that you recall that uh, meant a lot to you besides your music?
1: Uh, a lot of freedom uh, as a kid to to go out into the woods with friends or by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, fr- from as early as I can remember, I was in the woods in this town. And, uh, and then I was on my bike riding every street, you know. Every street here has a memory, but... Uh, that's what I remember most is just being with my friends, wandering about the town. Mm-hmm. It was—it's a safe place. Uh, it was back then, mm-hmm. as well. So, that's what I—that's what I loved most about it is there was a lot of, you know, countless memories mm-hmm. in every street, every street.
0: Uh. Yeah, and you know they are saying now that um, kids are too programmed, and that we should get back to letting kids do what they want, let, let them play, let them be creative, let them do their own thing. You know, I would you agree were with always that.
2: outdoor family. Okay. Plus, this was his backyard, this whole um, shovel shop, because we lived at, on Main Street that's now the art co-op. Yeah. Oh, the Millie Packard House. Yes, and we lived oh. there Millie for Bay. about 8 to 10 years, and so this uh, playground back here was amazing with the railroad tracks and the history and the mm-hmm. library and everything. Yeah. Yeah, it
0: was a, a fun place to <laughs> Wonderful. be. Wonderful, so you could just walk around the town, too. Oh, Absolutely, yeah. 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 and I did. Call. So, yeah. so, so tell me, what happened uh, after high school?
1: After high school I went to UMass Dartmouth for a year. um, And then, basically, after my freshman year um, I disenrolled, basically, and just went to go to work for Mother Earth for a little while. Uh Um, And then I went to Bristol Community College for my, uh, I guess... Associate? Well, yeah, I got my associate from uh, BCC. Mm -hmm. And then I decided to join the Air Force in 2001 to finish the rest of my undergraduate education. So
0: what was your, um, your uh, degree in?
1: At Bristol Community?
0: Well, no, when you finished.
1: When I finished finally it was uh, communications with a minor in journalism. Really? Print journalism. So
0: So that's why you're so at ease and so comfortable uh, I, you know, and so I, I, articulate.
1: I'm glad you think so.
0: I do. No, he was always <laughs> really smart. Yeah, well he's a firstborn. Yeah. You know, we firstborns tend to be very <laughs> driven. Right. Right. So, um, when did you enlist in the Air Force?
1: In 2001, uh, right at the beginning of 2001, I enlisted in the Air Force. Um, went basically for to continue my education and the travel. Um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: You know, nothing really beats the, some of the educational benefits that the military offers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the travel opportunities as well, mm-hmm. so I took advantage of both.
0: Uh-huh. And what kinds of things did you do when you started out?
1: Oh, uh, you go through basic training. They mm-hmm. train you how to salute and how to, uh, you know, recognize ranks uh, and how to speak to speak and mm. march, follow, follow orders.
0: Did you get to use your communications background and journalism background I um, did. eventually or? Yes, and I did. And didn't you graduate from boot
2: camp as the highest? Uh,
1: no, I was a st- uh, distinguished graduate out of uh, not, not uh, basic training is what the Air Force calls it, Air Force basic training. But uh, when I went to my technical training, Mm-hmm. that I was a distinguished graduate there uh, for one of my jobs. But to answer your question, I, I was able to use my journalism degree. Um, I came in, in into the Air Force and I worked for the command and control um, community essentially. And then because I got my degree, I was able to retrain into public affairs and I was able to be uh, A writer and a newspaper editor. Great for one for one of the Air Force papers at the base that I was at at the time uh, in Dover, Delaware.
0: What a wonderful opportunity! What was the name of that paper?
1: It was uh, the The, Airlifter. The Airlifter, yeah. And it was a Dover Air Force Base publication, Uh and uh, it was a great opportunity because that was right at the end of, you know, uh, the the Air Force has basically gone online after that, Uh so the the uh, print paper, the rag, if you will, Uh no longer exists really. Um, I I wouldn't say across the board, but for the most part it doesn't. So I was able to to use my degree in the Air Force, and I won as the editor one year the best newspaper in the Air Force.
0: Wonderful. So I have a
1: letter from the Chief of Staff congratulating me on that.
0: Oh, congratulations. great. Yeah. Well, those things mean a lot.
2: They do. Yeah.
1: Recognition is a big thing in the military.
0: Sure. And to his mother. (laughs) Right, and to his mother. (laughs) And making your mother proud. Yeah, I just got a paper to prove it to her. Well, yeah. I, know that, I know that she is so proud I of know, you. I do, anyway. She yeah. just smiles, uh, you know, big grin when she talks about you. So it's a, a so nice to meet you for the first time. Well, it's yeah. great to be here. Yeah. So what did you think of uh, his <coughs> going into the military and doing so well, Kim? I always knew he would do well. He always did well. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but for me, I think the, the second year he was in the Air Force was uh, 9-11 happened. That was and the, then I the got, year I joined. It was the year. And then I got really scared for a while. I didn't know what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I remember being really, really afraid. And uh, I'm not afraid anymore because now we know a little bit more about those types of things and how they're handled. But I remember being very afraid mm-hmm. and um, having a lot of anxiety that I'd never experienced. And so um, it's still, to me, it, he spends a lot of time away from his family and sacrifices that a lot and that um weighs heavy on, on my heart, mm-hmm. but I am not as afraid as I was back then. I'm more comfortable with it and,
0: mm-hmm. and proud. I, is, is that because you've heard about so many uh, interesting places that he's been? Oh yeah. The oh, duties that he's had? And the and kids,
2: and I have a granddaughter that was born in Iceland, you know, my grandson was speaking German when he was three, so that's amazing. That's um, a huge leap, uh, you know, for the family and for our education and Mm-hmm. for pride and just fun and everything. Sure. You know, so,
0: Well, the, tell us, Jim, what was, uh, what would the, tell us the, the chronology of places that you visited and, and how, you, uh, how you viewed them and what impact they made on your life.
1: Well, coming in to the Air Force, you go from your small community, like Easton, Massachusetts, and what you know in that small uh, box, I guess, that you're brought up in. And then in, you go to your basic training and you go on in, into the Air Force and you meet people from every other state, mm-hmm. uh, even some other countries. Um, so yeah. it's an eye-opening experience in, in that regard just to see all of the different cultures um, that, that are all in one place in the United States military in general. So that was uh, my first, I guess, eye-opening experiences to, you know, the, the different ways people talk and, you know, the different foods they eat and just what they do for fun or uh-huh. you know and, and coming on a, a common page there and, and you know of course the military has a good way of getting everybody standardized and on a uh-huh. on a common page yeah. or frame of reference so it was good and then and then we you know you see you have to work together as a team so even though you know initially when you're thrusted into a situation where everybody's completely different um there tends to be some tension but Again, there's a lot of teamwork uh, and you're, you're all under the same circumstances. You're all facing the same challenges. So mm-hmm. it comes together pretty, pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're pretty much indoctrinated after, you know, you go through your training and you, go th- uh, you learn, you know, the basics and then you learn your job. And then there's further communities that you involve yourself with depending on um, what you do. And that, so what you do affects where you can go. Um,
0: and how well you do it.
1: And how well you do it, for sure. Do you
0: think uh, working from Mother Earth uh, gave you a leg up on teamwork and being able to, to work together as a team?
1: Well, I think it gave me a leg up with work ethic and getting the job done. Um, mm-hmm. Again, you're, you're coming in from kids that just graduated high school and never had a job. Well, I had a job growing up my entire, you know, mm-hmm. I was always working. Started
2: at 12.
1: Right. And they all did. So th- so <laughs> I, I, I stuck out uh-huh. from my peers in a lot of ways um, because of that work ethic. Mm-hmm. Did that help my teamwork? Um, that's a difficult one to say. I, I would say yes mm-hmm. because people look, I was a little older than most. I enlisted at 22 years old, so there were the 18-year-olds. Mm-hmm. And so they... You know, f- for those reasons and because I was good at what I did, they made me an instructor. They made me um, train the new guys coming in. Mm-hmm. So naturally, you have to be a good team worker to do that. So right. I think that work ethic built, built into the teamwork.
0: Great. And so where was the first place uh, out of the country that you went to?
1: Out of the country, the first place I went was Saudi Arabia. Oh. I, um, I deployed there for about three months in support of Operation Southern Watch in, in Iraq. Um, and I was at the Air Operations Center, in at the time it was uh, in Saudi Arabia. So that mm-hmm. was my first experience.
0: And w- and the Air Operations—that was the headquarters yes. for the Air Force. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. And what were you using your communications background in, in that regard?
1: I, I was actually. Um, I worked a little bit in radio when I was at Bristol Community College. I had an internship at some radio stations in Providence, and I was able to get a. Uh, Assistant broadcasting engineer job after I paid my dues as an intern worked for free for far too long Mm -hmm. Uh, In the communications industry that that tends to be how it goes, but I was doing essentially the same thing transmitting receiving Signals, uh, you know communications uh, data links, Mm -hmm. so it was all very applicable Um, You know what, what I was doing there Um, At the headquarters. Mm -hmm. I was communicating to all the units that were feeding the headquarters their their pictures So the the higher ranking the generals could make decisions based on the information that they were being provided.
0: Wow So you had a key operative position We all do. Oh, yeah, I know you're you're (laughs) very modest your mother's told me that (laughs) but it seems that with uh, your job was pivotal to What the generals decided? uh, Yes, you know would be the the um, you know, what would happen that day. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. And
0: what did, you, um, what did you learn about the culture there? Or didn't you? were you off base? As they, I mean, were you on base? We there? were
1: on base at the time. Um, I learned about many cultures, not just the Saudi Arabian cultures. Um, of course, we're in their country. We weren't, um, at the time, allowed to leave the base, so um, I wasn't able to, to really, at the time, go downtown and experience the, the Saudi Arabian culture. Um, But there were it was a coalition of forces so international you had French you had Saudi Arabians in in the headquarters Uh in the Air Operations Center Um, So you tend to see the different work ethics and the and the teamwork and how people do some things different uh, and Difference not necessarily bad either. It's just that's based on a lot of you know culture and work ethic and stuff Mm -hmm. like that so yeah, that was an eye-opening experience watching all these different, you know, so you go in you know, from your small town, you go into the Air Force, well, then you deploy, and now you're with Marines, you're with soldiers, you're with sailors, mm. uh, and international partners. So it just, your, your perspective keeps opening up as you, as you go through this, this journey, you know. Yeah,
0: wonderful. What an experience.
1: Yeah, it's been great.
0: Yeah. And how long were you in Saudi Arabia?
1: I was just there for three months at the time. They were, um, they were doing 90-day rotations. Uh-huh. Um, since then, of course, uh, I just got back from a six-month deployment from Africa last month, mm-hmm. um, East Africa. So um, it just depends on, on where you need it and when and how long they need you there. You
0: know? Yeah. Now, um, where in East Africa were you? Were you I was in,
1: in uh, Djibouti,
0: uh-huh.
1: Africa. So Camp Lemonnier is the, uh, the camp that we have there.
0: So did you get to go go to Kenya and Uganda and Tanzania? uh,
1: Yes, I was able to go to Kenya, um, to Nairobi, and I was able to go to Arusha, Tanzania. Mm. I was able to go to Ethiopia. Mm. Um, So it was was great. It Mm. was definitely a a new part of the world that I hadn't seen.
0: Were you allowed to go on your own, or did you you, um, always have to be in a group, I imagine?
1: Well, when I went to... um, Kenya, I had to have a wingman, if you will. Mm-hmm. So uh, they made us travel in pairs. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I went to Ethiopia, I went uh, by myself. Mm-hmm. So it really depends on the time and the place um, mm-hmm. and what's happening, based on the the most current you know threat alert that they have. Hmm. based on intelligence and the situation. So
0: I imagine you went on safari in your own safari.
1: I was able to they give you a four-day pass if you're if you're deployed for six months and you can do anything uh, you want with that four-day pass. You can go to Europe Um, it's based on what you want to do and being so close to East Africa and the Serengeti I yeah I had to take advantage of, of that so I did I was able to escape deployment for four days and, and go on. A
0: so you were in the Serengeti safari. and I'm so you must have seen uh, and met some of the Maasai.
1: I did, mm-hmm. I did. Yeah, that brings was back a lot of memories for
0: me but I was there in the early 70s. Right. I think that's 40 years ago, isn't it? I, I yeah, think I'm so. Sorry. I'm not good at public math yeah. but yeah. <coughs> it have not changed for them much. No, are they still in the dung huts? They are. Yeah. And the flies are still on the ba- on the children's faces? and yeah. mine as well and yours as well yeah <laughs> but they have the beautiful beading the, yes. the, the big yeah. necklaces and carry the, the gourds that are decorated that they carry the milk from the cows in and right yeah, yeah. so that hasn't changed and they're very tall and slender people yeah. um and very gentle people did and they, very nice
1: did they make you do the jumping ceremony did you no. jump? Uh, we were initiated into their tribe and really was a jumping contest the males jump against the males and of course I, I lost the of contest. course and I did I didn't get the wife that was yeah. promised <laughs> to the victor
0: you didn't get so the wife oh well now wife. did you already have a wife I, I, yeah. I am married yes and you <laughs> have understand but the
1: Masai, as you know, I know. are pol- polygamous so <laughs> yes oh if I wasn't I'm just
0: Yes. Yeah. I could have had a daughter-in-law a from Tanzania <laughs> I didn't even know <laughs> well I remember in uh, Kenya in um, Mombasa We made my former husband and I. We made friends with a uh, a guy named Philip, who was a woodcarver, and Mm -hmm. he had a friend who was a, um, you know, a a chief. And so we went, and uh, the medicine man was there. It was quite an experience. One of the wives was um, needed some help; she was sick, and it was quite an interesting uh, experience. But there were five huts because there were five wives. Yeah. And this and this chief. He was the tallest African I'd ever seen. He must have been six four or five, and he was dressed in a white toga. Hmm. Wow! So he really uh, made a commanding presence. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the children there were about 27 children, and and uh, all of them somewhat in the same age, <laughs> just age groups, and very happy people. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, this is about you. So you have three children, I understand.
1: I, I have two children. Oh, two. I
0: do. Okay.
1: An uh, 11-year-old daughter, Rhiannon, and an eight-year-old son, Bradley.
0: Yes, and I, I met them both at church yesterday, and mm-hmm. very well-behaved and uh, interesting, good, great personalities that could taken after their daddy, I imagine. In ways, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So um, it's been a wonderful experience for them, too, but they didn't go to Africa, did they?
1: They weren't able to go to Africa, and at the time, I wasn't comfortable um, sending them on their own without me traveling to meet me there just for four days. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, we. There was the uh, the option was there to. Mm-hmm.
0: Now to talk you've come about. a long way. So, did, uh, what were your um, responsibilities in Africa?
1: In Africa, I was the chief of airspace and scheduling for the Horn of Africa air component. So, uh, any.
0: Can you translate that? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Not really. Military <laughs> <Relatory> speak. <laughs> Not. W- how much time do we
0: have? Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> oh.
1: But well, what I did was uh, essentially there was a lot of uh, Africa's a, a massive area, it's a landmass, mass, and, and the Horn of Africa itself is in East Africa comprised of Djibouti, Somalia, Ethiopia, um, and I, I was basically, uh, I had to brief all the air crews that came in to the air component um, to fly missions in Horn of Africa and other areas in Africa where need be, and I briefed them on the, what we call the course rules and how we, how we do things in the air. Um, in different places based on established procedures or based on air traffic control um, measures implemented in the various countries. So I was basically, uh, for scheduling purposes and for airspace, uh, we we got a lot of training done um, in Djibouti. And the French uh, also, they, they, the French care for the air defense of Djibouti um, with their air force. So Mm -hmm. when the French were training, we had to make sure that the airspaces were deconflicted, as we say, so they're not in the same airspace at the same time and co- creating conflicts and yeah. potential safety hazards. So yeah. That's a good I idea. Did, yeah, it's a great <laughs> idea. Um, you know, avoid at all costs any kind yeah. of, uh, you know, safety issue.
0: So um, after Saudi Arabia, uh, going back, um, did you get married then or? Um?
1: I got married shortly after returning from Saudi Arabia in 2003. Uh-huh. Um, so I deployed. Um, my wife had moved down to South Carolina where I was stationed at the time. Um, about less than a month later they deployed me to Saudi Arabia and gave me orders to Iceland. So I was reassigned from South Carolina to Iceland.
0: And what, so did, we you, were yeah, and what did you do in Iceland?
1: In Iceland I was... Uh,
0: Besides we were heavy coats. Is, uh,
1: we did a lot of that. Um, but I was um, at, at a control reporting center um, in Iceland. So, early warning, again, command and control, radars, we'd pick up uh, aircraft, air defense for Iceland, but also er early warning for uh, NORAD, the North American Air Defense. Mm -hmm. Um, So, if there were um, anything that needed to be reported heading towards the the North American continent, um, Iceland was a good place to catch some of
0: those
1: those things and provide early warning and air defense measures taken. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, So we did that in Iceland, um, and I, uh, I I was in charge. Well, I was one of one of the guys responsible for training Mm -hmm. air defense professionals Mm -hmm. in Iceland.
0: Good. And how long were you there?
1: I was there for two and a half years.
0: Wonderful. And your daughter, Rihanna, she she was born there. She was. Yeah, great. And you must have had a lot of contact with the um, native population.
1: I did. Uh, Very very intimate contact with. uh, the system that we used, they um, managed the software for it. So being responsible for a lot of the training, some of the software upgrades were driven by the users, the military. Um, so I would have to translate that basically to the software technicians. Um, so there was constant. I still have friends, uh, Icelandic friends. That I
0: so did you learn a little Icelandic?
1: Uh, I've since forgotten. But yes, just the, the courtesies. Yeah. Go, go and dine was hello or good day. Uh-huh. Um, but that's the extent of what I can remember right now, putting me on the spot. So. Yeah,
0: yeah. Icelandic is old Norsk. Yes. Yeah, or old Norse in English. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, and the thing that's so interesting is that there were only 360,000 of them. Right. I mean, there are more people in wow. Boston than in, on Iceland. Exactly. Right? And yet they're such a productive and successful society. I mean, they went through a big traumatic financial crisis um, Meltdown uh, a few years back, uh, just the way we did, you know, right. the whole world did. But they've recovered, and uh, you know, so so that must have been a wonderful experience. It was a
1: great experience. And
0: and your daughter, does she remember it? Not. She was too young, right?
1: She was. She remembers it through the pictures that we. Oh yeah. Uh, that we took, but no, she was too young. Uh, we left there, and she was about one and a half. Uh
0: huh. So what did you like most about the uh, the culture there?
1: About the culture. Um, well, I love the country itself. It was a great place if you like to be outdoors. Mm-hmm. Um, and you do. And I do. Um, and I spend a lot of time traveling around the entire island with my family. Um, the culture there, uh, the the food is surprisingly good. And they have some of the less, their traditional foods uh, include rotten shark. Uh-huh. So um, that, was, that was good fun trying that.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: but it's exactly, it would taste exactly how it sounds. Rotten shark was... Rotten shark. <laughs> <Wow.
0: laughs> yeah. Um, so after uh, Iceland, what, where did you? Where were you deployed?
1: After Iceland, I retrained and I became into the public affairs career field, and then I was stationed at Dover, Delaware, where my son was born, uh-huh. and shortly thereafter, I, I applied for. So I was enlisted. Um, I was a, a staff sergeant. I was an NCO, noncommissioned officer, mm-hmm. and I applied for officer training. Um, and from Delaware, uh, they sent me to officer training in Alabama. Great. To become ah. a second lieutenant.
0: Right. Good. So, and how long did that take?
1: Officer training was three months
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, in Alabama. Uh, this particular version, o- OTS, officer training school, mm-hmm. um, there's other routes to become off- an officer in the, in the Air Force, the Air Force Academy or ROTC, mm-hmm. and other uh, legal or, or medical programs that they have for, mm-hmm. for doctors and lawyers and chaplains as well. Mm -hmm. So, there's different routes, and OTS was the route that I took. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I became an air battle manager. Um, So, again, going back to the command and control community. Did my short stint in public affairs, and I liked the air defense and command and control. Um, Mm -hmm. So, I went back there and went to Florida, uh, where I'm now an instructor. I went there as a student back in 2007, and now I instruct there at at Tyndall Air Force Base, Florida.
0: Great. Um, So, you're in Florida. You've been there for seven years.
1: Uh, no, I had a short tour with NATO AWACS. Uh, AWACS is a command and control platform. It's an airborne radar.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and NATO has their version of an airborne radar. It's, it's a Boeing 707 with a, with a radar on the back oh, of it. Wow. Um, and I control aircraft from, from the back of the airplane.
0: Oh, and, w- and so where did that take you? Or is that classified?
1: No, that's not <laughs> classified. I can, talk, I can talk about that. Um, NATO AWACS took me to in Germany. Um, I was there for about four years um, where I was a lieutenant learning how to be an air weapons officer, controller on AWACS, Um, and I was able to deploy. I was able to travel and train all around Europe. Uh, We came back to the States a couple times, and then once I was qualified and and pretty good at what what I was doing, Mm -hmm. that's when they decided to send you uh, where you need to go for deployment. So I went to Afghanistan twice. Um, and also supported the, uh, the operation in Libya, Uni- Operation Unified Protector in Libya. We supported from uh, Sicily.
0: Oh, I see. Now, when you were in Afghanistan, uh, you were also doing uh, air command control, right? Yes. Yeah. So you were not in harm's way.
1: I was, I was above the battlefield, uh, but nevertheless in harm's way um, in, in many ways, um, and I'll just leave it at that. Uh, but okay. above the battlefields better in my opinion than being on the Right. but we were <laughs> and we were helping <laughs> we were helping a lot of the uh the army and the forces on the ground that were taking fire we would coordinate air, uh, close air support to get them any support they needed on the ground from the air
0: wow so you were their rescue and
1: we were s- there yes rescuers. We, we were there 911
0: right emergency That's number That's a good way of putting it so I imagine you didn't tell your mother about all this, did you? I told
1: her spits and pieces.
2: Some, because some, of the communication, being able to communicate wasn't always like, a, you know, totally available. And I'm, um, you know, not very good on computers. So you you, know. you
0: you had another period of some worry and concern, I imagine.
2: Yeah, as a mother, I think you're always worried and concerned anyway, mm-hmm. but when there's war going on and, and you're... Wife and kids are somewhere, and you're somewhere else. And as a grandmother, you, you it, you worry, you know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, yeah, it's not just me to worry about. It's the family yeah, It's
0: always on your mind. Now, when you were in Germany, though, your son was born, right?
1: Uh, my son was born in Delaware.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Uh, he went to kindergarten, and he was very slow at catching on to to speaking. Um, so when he finally when he finally caught on. He was speaking German and English. We sent him to a German kindergarten. Great. um, And he could speak fluent to to a four-year-old level. (laughs) Um, But he spoke it with an accent and everything. It was great just to watch him at at his school talking with his German friends.
0: Now, what about uh, Rihanna? Does she speak German?
1: She speaks a little bit, and, and in fact, we're uh, getting reassigned. I, I just found out recently that I'm going to go back to Germany. Really? R- yes, and she's since my daughter, Rhiannon, has been studying
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, German. She wants, to, she wants to learn it. So. Yeah,
0: I met them at church yesterday, and, and I um, taught English in, a, in the German schools uh, when my uh, former husband was over there uh, doing on a research grant. And uh, I learned German. you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> tell her the
2: about the award uh, Rhiannon got in Florida. She aspires to go to Harvard. She's brilliant. Uh huh. But tell her about the award from the from Florida.
1: Well, she she just did outstanding uh, on her uh, FCAT tests, oh. and she got she scored uh, top in the state and got letters from top her, in
0: uh, the state
1: from this from the state senator and the state congressman. She she got personal letters from them. So So
0: she's number one, not only in your eyes, but in the eyes of the uh, educators and the senators. She's pretty brilliant. Good, so she's on her way. She's on her way. Yeah, so watch Mm -hmm. out, Harvard, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I spoke a little German to to both of them yesterday. Okay. Uh, Yeah, so it's wonderful when they can learn it naturally. Yeah. 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 It
1: is, and and I would like to uh, try to reinforce that, especially in my son, because he, I think, is his mind's open to that already, having, having picked it up mm-hmm. from a very early age. Yeah. I want to reinforce that when we so, come back. So,
0: besides, um, y- you know, different languages that, that your family is benefiting from, what are the uh, cultural benefits have you found in your travels, um, I guess mainly Germany now that your children have experienced that?
1: Oh, lots. The, the NATO AWACS is an interesting uh, air platform because it's not just Germans. Um, it's not just Americans on the, on the airframe. You have Germans. You have uh, any member of, uh, of NATO, any member nation who contributes to the, to the AWACS component there um, has representatives, uh, individual representatives from their country mm-hmm. on board the aircraft. So mm-hmm. it's unlike any other airframe um, that I've seen with such an integrated crew. And that was really an eye-opener with, with the different cultures and the different because uh, you, you're there with an Italian next to you on one side, a German guy on the other, maybe somebody from Portugal across from you, and you know, the flight deck has, you know, has their own integrated crew as well. So mm-hmm. there's lots, lots of lessons to be learned there in mm-hmm. partnerships, um, and it's, and it's ground-level type stuff there. Mm-hmm. Did you get
0: to do uh, um, some uh, Spazian gehen you know, uh, and c- mountain climbing?
1: Um, well, no, I did a lot of skiing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Good. in the Alps Zugspitze. Z- yes, I, I skied the the Zugspitz oh, yeah um, that was amazing yeah, the I'd only been the East Coast skiing uh, yeah. in the in the states, uh, so I'd never uh-huh. been to the Rockies, but the Alps were man, majestic they were beautiful yeah that yeah, was great
0: and Zugspitze is the highest mountain in, in, in Germany China. and it's very close to Austria to right. the Austrian border right. um, I remember skiing there and it was the second time i'd ever been on skis Mm-hmm. And they said, oh, come on, come on, all these Scandinavians and Germans, you know, who uh, were born with skis on their sure. feet, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. And <laughs> I fell 300 feet or so down oh. the side of the mountain. Mm-hmm. Wow. So I decided, well, I think i better take a lesson. They're challenging, <laughs> they're challenging trails. <laughs> But beautiful, oh. and you go up in that cable car, and the view—oh,
1: the view right in front of you as you ski down—it's just sort of like being in an can airplane, see, you can isn't see it? Four different countries—it's exactly like <laughs> being in an airplane. Yeah. And in fact, Afghanistan was one of the most beautiful places from above, huh. with the mountains and
0: the—really?
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Yeah, because we see a sort of desert-like topography, don't we? We uh-huh.
1: do a lot of the time, but it depends on where you're where you're at when you fly around the entire nation. Uh-huh. You see all the areas. There's, you know. They have their own mountain chains as well. Uh, so it's not all desert there at all. It's a common misperception. I uh, see. So yeah, this, this is very diverse. Uh, but from above, it's, it's very beautiful.
0: Well, you sound very excited about your profession. And um, you, you've obviously, you've made your own path. Um, and the journey is just uh, still happening. I mean, you've got s- is, yeah. quite a number of years left, don't you?
1: I have seven years left. I've been in 13 years so far. Uh-huh. Um, so seven left before I hit 20 on active duty, and I can, uh, eligible for retirement if, if I want to, or I can continue.
0: And what do you think you'll do?
1: Uh, I'm undecided at this point. Uh, it just depends on on where I'm at and where, where, where the family's at and what we need to,
0: mm-hmm. what we
1: decide to do at well, that point.
0: It sounds like as if you're... Skills that you've learned in the military and the the kinds of things you've been doing would prepare you for a a myriad of jobs in the in the private world. Absolutely, that you could bring, uh, you know, or you could go to Washington D.C. and 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 tell Rear Admiral um, what's his face (laughs) (laughs) Dempsey, is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Okay. Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. <laughs> yes, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Just that you know that you're going to come and um, g- uh, lend your expertise to uh, this important work at the at the hub of the country. Absolutely. That's a possibility. Anything's a possibility. Yeah. And um, Kim, what about you? Are you looking forward to a time when you'll uh, he'll be more grounded, shall we say, not always up in the air in some foreign country and able to g- visit you more? Yeah, um, I've never gave a thought
2: that one of my kids would live out of the country, uh-huh. you know, uh, a few towns over, you know, maybe they'd come over for Thanksgiving and and Easter, but I never thought any of my kids would live out of the country, so it's I'm not used to it, um, so it would be nice if he were to live closer by and uh-huh. We could see each other more and we could have more time
0: with the kids, and you know, all but... Yeah. So, uh, um, in wrapping up, Jim, tell me, uh, <laughs> what would you say to young people um, who um, may not be considering the military and may never have even thought about it? Um, you know, what, what would you say to them?
1: Um, I'm, I'm a huge advocate for personal choice. And so I never try to sell the military to anybody. It was my path, and that's the path that I chose. Mm -hmm. Um, Nobody really recruited me into it. I made that decision, and I went. So um, I would say it's an excellent opportunity um, to do different things, to get a higher level of education. I've been able to get a graduate degree. Um, I've been able to travel the world in, in a lot of different ways, and it's not just the deployments. It's... It's training. It's it's just s- assignments. So uh, it's not all. Uh, you travel to hostile environments. Mm-hmm. So uh, my perspective has opened up exponentially. I couldn't I couldn't quantify that, but I would say whether you're pondering it or not, the facts stand for itself that the military provides um, extra opportunities outside of um, traditional means. And it's worked excellent for me mm-hmm. and even my family. Uh, we've gotten a lot out of it, tons out of it. Um,
0: and you have um, certainly contributed to the welfare and well-being of this country. I would uh, like to thank And so you should be very proud of that. And we thank you very thank much you. for your service and your enthusiasm and the uh, level of expertise that you bring to the job.
1: That's my pleasure.
0: And it's so nice to have you return home. So enjoy Thanksgiving. And uh, well yeah, and um, and your family, and all the best to you in the future. And uh, thank you, Kim, for joining us. Thank you for so. Yeah. It was it was very. Pleasant. I hope you enjoyed the program. Um, uh, we will be interviewing other people uh, who have con- who have left Easton and made a wonderful contribution to the world. Uh, and uh, we appreciate your uh, viewership. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Take care. Bye-bye now.